Girls with Squeaky, a podcast for solo women, RVers, van lifers, and campers. Um, I'm your host, Kathy Belge, and I am here today at Lapine State Park, where I am volunteering as a campground host. And I was super excited when I pulled in to find out that one of my fellow hosts is also a solo woman traveler. And I have sitting with me here, uh, my friend, new friend, Beth Balance, and she's got a super interesting story, and I'm really glad she agreed to share it with us all today. So Beth, you want to say hello? Hi, everybody. Welcome. Yeah, so Beth is here, and uh, we're both volunteering at Lapine State Park uh, for the month of May, And um, but I wanted to have Beth tell us a little bit about your story first, and you've got a great story. You told me it already how you got started in RV travel. Right, so what was happening was that I was living a very um, uh, sedate and happy life in Savannah, Georgia. I had just lost my husband in 2007, but I had this nagging feeling for a number of years that something was coming down the road. Something's coming, something's coming, but I don't know what it is. And one day in 2014, I was having a phone call uh, with a girlfriend of mine and she said I bought a van and my brother's gonna fix it up for me so I can travel around <laughs> well it was as if, the, as if the heavens had opened up you know the light shone down the choir of angels sang, and I went that's what I'm gonna do so this feeling of something's coming something's coming for two and a half years culminated in this moment of I'm gonna RV I've never RV'd a day in my life. So I decided I was going to sell my home, sell all my stuff, buy an RV, and travel. Because I love to travel. My friends all said I was, let's see, I think insane was one word one used. Or that's crazy. I said, no, I think I'm going to do it. And, and that's how it started. So what year was that now? That was uh, 2014. Okay, mm-hmm. so you've been on the road now for about seven years, mm-hmm. and um, so tell me a little bit more about what happened when you made that decision and then jumped. I mean, you're one of those, I guess, the stereotypical who decides they're going to do this and sell everything and hit the road. So right. what was that process like for you? Yeah, so I had no clue what that meant to me at that time because I had never RV'd, so I didn't really even know what that meant. But as the universe provides every time you make a decision, um, I resources came to me, and my longest time best friend said, "Oh, you need to meet my my cousin Keith and his wife Brenda because they've been doing this for years." So I she hooked us up, and he became my instant mentor. And he sent me lots of really great information about what kind of rig to buy and things to think about and different websites for different women's groups traveling. And, oh, he was just great. So um, I was looking at either Class C RVs or a Class A motorhome. And I really didn't know what I wanted. But when I got inside each one of them, I realized I wanted the big windshield. I thought... You know, if I'm driving all around the country, I want to see it. And so I ended up buying a Class A motorhome. And that was my decision. And so I just started uh, shopping around. Um, I used his guidelines and guidelines of other folks who were now surfacing. 
and uh, ended up buying a Class A motorhome in uh, Florida. That's the motorhome you're still in today. It's the motorhome I'm in today. When I bought this rig, uh, it was at a large dealership uh, outside of Tampa, and they signed me up for a driving class, which was a good thing because oh, I've never driven an RV. Nice, yeah. Yeah. And one of the things the instructor said was, I always tell people, buy your last motorhome first. You'll save a lot of money. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I did. I I bought my last motorhome first, although I'm not sure it's the last one. But, yeah, it's it's the one I've been traveling in since 2014. So tell us about your rig. Does it have a nickname, and what is it? She like? doesn't have a nickname. She has an actual name. Okay. Her name is YOLO. Uh, of course, you only live once. Unless you're uh-huh. Buddhist, then you live a lot of times. But um, uh, I that's what I named her. And um, she is 36 feet long. I have two slide-outs on the driver's side. Um, I have a bath and a half um, and a uh, fireplace and three TVs that I never watch. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty right. cool. And you tow a car? I do tow a car, a Honda, 2014 Honda CRV. Last year that Honda made a car, a CRV that you could tow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned a couple of groups that your cousin told you about. So what were some of those groups and are are any of them things you want to mention that people might find helpful? Yeah. So when I first started, I joined every organization that anybody told me about. And the reason I did that was because I didn't know what they were and I wanted to see what I would use. So I joined uh, up for KOA campgrounds, which I kept for a couple of years and then dropped. Um, I signed up for FMCA, which is Family Motor Coach Association. It's a very large organization of uh, RVers. And I keep I'm not involved with them that much, but I keep it because they have a great program called Med Assist that is part of my membership dues, that it gives me the opportunity. If something were to happen to me, they'd send somebody out to drive my RV wherever I needed to go. I'm also a member of Escapees. Um, I go, I have been to a rally of theirs. I think it's a great organization. Um, uh, And some smaller companies. organizations and clubs that I have joined, Harvest Hosts and boondockerswelcome.com because they help me find places to stay. So I want to go back to Escape Ease because I know you told me the other day that one of the best things you ever did was go to an Escape Ease Roundup. Right. So tell us a bit about what the Escape Ease is and tell us about that first Roundup and why it was so important to you. Escapees is a large RV organization that you can join any age, any type of vehicle, and uh, they have um, lots of small chapters. They have what they call BOFs, Birds of the Feather, so they have um, volunteer uh, BOFs. They have people who are interested in photography BOFs. Mm. They have all these different kinds of things. so I joined that, and they also you also get discounts at some campgrounds, and that's always helpful. Uh, but what I found really helpful was when I was first starting to RV, I was going, I was living in Savannah, Georgia, and where was I going to go? What was I going to do? It's a very big world, mm-hmm. and I didn't know where I was going to go. And I was getting the magazine, and I was flipping through one of the magazines, and it had the Escapees Rally, the annual one in, in uh, Tucson, Arizona. And what they have uh, right before the rally is called 
boot camp. And boot camp is for people like me or people like I was at that time, which is I didn't know anything about RVing. And it was wonderful because it gave me the opportunity to go to lectures and seminars and learn lots and lots of information that I needed to know because I knew nothing at that point. I think I said I took uh, 32 pages of notes over wow. a three-day period. Yeah, lots of things, to, lots of good tips. So that was really helpful to me. And then um, my mentor, who Keith, who had started me out on this path, was a big help. I said, well, what are you going to do in the summers? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> so he said, we volunteer in the parks up in Oregon. We love it. It's beautiful here. It's a great park system. So that's what I've been doing is volunteering for the park systems in the summer among and other park systems as well. Okay. And this obviously this is how we're meeting is volunteering right. at the park system. Right. So what are some of the main things you learned at that first meetup that made your RV transition go smoothly? Yeah. So I learned a lot about plumbing, which I knew nothing about. You know, when I lived in a house, I was really good at writing checks, but other people did the work. Yeah. But when you're on the road, you don't always have that luxury. You have to sometimes know things. But um, plumbing, electrical, um, tips on how to cook in your convection microwave. I've never had one mm. of those before. Um, how to store shoes. A lot of women need some... How do you store shoes? Well, I cut up... You know those over-the-door shoe bags that you can buy yeah. everywhere? You cut them into strips and paste them around the base of your bed. And by paste, I mean Velcro. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a great tip. I use it to this day. And, um, yeah, I just I learned a lot, a lot of great things. Little, t little helper things like um, cover my propane vents with screens to keep the mud daubers mm. out. It's um, crazy they don't come that way. You would think. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah, you'd think. Yeah. Uh, when I first started out, I did not know that things break and that they break often. Yeah. And I think it would have been helpful to know that. It would have saved me a lot of stress. Mm. Uh, because every time any little thing went wrong, because I didn't know what I was doing, uh, it made me very stressed out. Mm. But what I learned over time was that... Everything gets fixed eventually, so don't sweat it. Um, there are a lot of people out here who are very helpful. Um, uh, they're willing to offer their expertise. Sometimes it's helpful, sometimes not. But there are lots of folks who are willing to help, and plus there's just always somebody that's going to fix whatever it is you've got going on. Okay. So what are some of the things that, that maybe broke... In, in the early, when you were first starting out with a fairly new rig, you would think that things wouldn't break, but obviously they break because you're driving down bumpy roads and you're right. basically towing a house. Right. You put your house on wheels and tow it 60 miles an hour, stuff's going to happen. Yeah. Um, what were some of the early things that happened? Uh, I uh, My step motor went out. Mm. So my steps that went in and out. My refrigerator didn't work. Um, my awning had a problem. My roll-out awning over my door. Uh, I'm sure there was lots more. I just yeah. can't think of them. But yeah. I did have an extended warranty for five years, and that was really helpful. Okay. Yeah, I like that a lot. Well, some of the newer rigs, like with my rig, I wouldn't be able to get that. It's a 20-year-old rig, but yeah. yeah. I don't have one now either because it's, it's cost yeah. prohibitive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So um, I know you've had a couple of harrowing experiences. Um, do you want to share any of those and kind of what your experience with that was and what you learned from those? Sure, sure. So before I start that, I'm going to tell you two things about me. Okay. One is I'm very independent and I'll charge into anything. The other is ignorance is bliss. When you really don't know what you're getting into, when you get into it, you have the option of, of not freaking out or whatever uh, you, because you just don't know. I've, I've had a, several experiences. One that comes to mind happened actually last year. Uh, I was driving from my winter place in Tucson, Arizona, up to, um, well, I was headed up here to the park where we are now, but of course COVID changed a lot of that, mm. but still I was headed north. And um, I was driving from Reno, Nevada, up into the very northeast corner of California to a town called Susanville, and then taking a route. Well... There were very high winds that day, extremely high winds, like 100 mile an hour winds, hurricane kind of winds. And there were, there were the big road signs on the side that said high vehicle, no, high profile vehicles take warning. Well, I... How tall is your vehicle? My vehicle's 13 feet and 3 inches. Okay. So I kept going. And um, at the time, my, I have a very long slide, slide out on my driver's side that has an awning topper on it, which is a piece of canvas that covers the top of the slide out. And as, my, as I'm driving down the road, the awning is coming out, coming out. So I'd stop, put the slide out, roll it back in and go again. It would last for about 30 seconds. And I did this for a number of miles. And I realized it was useless to do this because it was just going to come out. So I just kept driving. And I got it to Susanville, California, where it was the kind of the end of the wind tunnel. And I pulled into a Walmart, uh, and I put the slide out to bring the topper back in with it. And I hear this pop, pop. I went, oh, that doesn't sound right. So I got out. I got up on top of my slide, and there was the whole awning topper, the whole tube that held this piece of fabric laying on top of the slide out, disconnected, and that's not where it belongs. So I pushed it down off the top into the parking lot of the Walmart and uh, tried to figure out what to do. So I thought, oh man, and I had just paid like seven or $800 a few moments before uh. yeah, to have the slide topper, the fabric replaced. So I dragged it around to the door and I tried to get into the rig. I could not manage it. Um, I couldn't get it up high enough to get it over the counter to get it in so I ended up leaving it it was traumatic but I thought okay insurance will pay for a new one okay let's move on so I, I drove I, I was coming to California further across and uh, it started to snow this was in March it started to snow and then it snowed harder and then I realized after about six inches of snow, I was the only person up there. What what road were you on? I was on, uh, I don't know the route number, but it was headed up through Lassen Volcanic Park toward mm. McLeod and over to I-5. Okay. Yeah, I think, I want to say 42, but I don't remember. But I realized I was the only person up there. 
and it was about snowing very heavily and it had been snowing by the time I got there and it was about six inches of snow and the road goes to the park in some places it's a drop-off in some places there's a shoulder you just don't know <laughs> and I saw some lights coming toward me and I thought oh more people coming this way well it was and it was a snowplow oh. coming about 35 mile an hour down the middle of the road and it was not moving so I had to move off to the side of the road and I didn't know what was there, but it was clearly not budging. So I pulled off the side of the road. Fortunately, it was a shoulder. He went by, and for about 10 feet up the side of my rig and my car, Ooh. he plowed snow and mud and sand. Ugh, it was gross. A couple of inches, just nasty. So I ended up getting to my final resting place that day, the... Uh, and I had, to, it was late, it was maybe six o'clock in the evening, it was cold, it was in the low 30s, and I had to hose off all that mud. It wasn't a fun day. No, it sounds kind of harrowing. You're giving me a little bit of anxiety just thinking about <laughs> the wind, number one, because my rig does terrible in the wind, and then, yeah. and then the snow. Mm -hmm. So what's the moral of the story here? What did you learn from all that? What did I learn from all that? Well, I... I did learn that I, I did keep going, even after I realized there was no one else up there. So I thought, well, everyone else clearly knows they shouldn't be here, but I didn't know that. And uh, I kept going and I got through it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I think if you just kind of keep your nose to the grindstone and keep going, you, you get through just fine. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So you, you mentioned you, you pulled over at a Walmart. Did you spend the night at the Walmart? Do you often stay at Walmart? I did not. That day, I did not. I was, I, it, it, that particular day when all of that happened, I, it took me eight hours to go 232 miles. It oh, was a God. very long day. No, it was not a place to stay over. Yes, I have stayed at Walmarts. Um, I have stayed at a Walmart in Mississippi, in Texas, in Oklahoma. Uh, those are the ones I remember. Okay. What do you think about solo women staying overnight at Walmarts. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, you just have to kind of go with your gut feeling, with your mm -hmm. intuition. Um, if it looks sketchy, leave. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I had no problems. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So one of the questions I do like to ask everyone is, what has solo travel taught you about yourself? What has travel taught me about Solo my... travel. Solo yes, travel. sure, sure. Solo yeah. travel. I'm very social. I have always spent a lot of time with other people. Solo traveling um, has afforded me the opportunity to spend a lot of time alone, especially during COVID. Mm. But even beside, aside from COVID, uh, you spend a lot of time alone. And it has given me the opportunity to learn that that's okay. Mm. You know, I can spend time on my own. Um, and it's just fine. Yeah. Peaceful. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Good. Uh, so what is your cadence of travel? Because you've been out here for seven years now. Mm -hmm. Like, do you have a specific uh, routine that you do every year? Or has that evolved over the years? Yeah. Um, I would say it started out in the beginning of not really knowing what I was going to do too much uh, to... I'm a, basically a snowbird now. Uh, I am a planner. Um, there are many RV 
our viewers out there who say, well, I don't like to plan. I'll just stop somewhere at the end of the day. And I think that's great if that works for you. It does not work for me because I'm usually planning anywhere from two weeks to six or seven months out. And I do know from experience that if you're traveling along the East Coast or in the Northeast at all, there are very few campgrounds. They're small. Uh, there's a lot of people. Mm. And um, there's oftentimes not space. I remember I, uh, back in 2018, I took a large trip from Tucson, Arizona, where I winter, uh, across the south, up the eastern seaboard into Canada, across Canada to Michigan, down into Michigan, and then through the Great Plains states. It was 10,000 miles in seven months. Wow. Yeah, it was cool. But I knew where I was going to be every night, and I, I remember pulling into an RV campground in, um, where was that? Uh, Cape Cod. Mm. And I had a reservation, and someone else behind me came in and said, we'd like a room. And, they, and the lady behind the desk said, what month? <laughs> and um, they said, we're, we're full for the summer. Yeah. So I've learned, to, I've learned to plan, and it's especially important now because there are hundreds of thousands of more vehicles on the road due to COVID right. than there were. So my, my general plan is I winter in Tucson, mm-hmm. and then I come up to the Pacific Northwest. And I, I like to volunteer in the parks a couple of months, and my daughter and granddaughter live in Washington, Okay, and I spend time with them. Nice. So I was noticing out front you've got a little sticker with the map, and it looks like you've covered every single state, uh, or the lower 48 anyway, mm-hmm. in your RV. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are some of your favorite places that you've been? Yeah, that was a fun little adventure. Um, I just alluded to that a moment ago, but um, my rule is to put a sticker on my map, I have to spend at least one night in a state mm-hmm. with my RV. So uh, in 2000, the beginning of 2018, I decided I was going to fill in my map. I had 19 states to go. Oh, Yeah, there were about a dozen or so up in... Um, the North Atlantic, uh, Northeast area, and then a few in the middle of the country. So that was my 10,000 mile, seven month trip okay. was to fill in, fill in my map, but I hit every state. It wow. was great. So what are some of the highlights? Where are some places that you were, you were, that just blew you away? Boy, that's, there are so many. Yeah. Um, I do have to say that the big national parks in Utah, Brian, Zion, Bryce, Bryce yeah. Arches, that, sorry, um, are, are spiritual beyond belief. I remember the morning that I drove into Zion, the first morning, about two or three miles into it, I just burst into tears. Mm. It, I don't know why, I just did. It just mm. spoke to me. Um, those are spectacular. I really loved... Uh, where I stayed in Vermont. I was along the edge of Lake Champlain. I would, mm. That was beautiful. I'd love to go back to New England in the fall. That, that of course, takes some planning. Um, blew me away. I, this didn't... I, I, this isn't, doesn't fall into the category, category of blew me away, but I did end up spending five days in Independence, Missouri because of my route got changed due to some repairs and I ended up being there for five days and it was wonderful. Mm. It was just a great find. My new favorite 
museum is in Kansas City. And uh, I'd tell you the name of it, but I can't forget. It's two names, and one of them starts with an A, but it's a beautiful <laughs> museum. And uh, just those kinds of little serendipities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what it's all about, right? Like yeah. just being able to pull over when you want to look at something that right. looks interesting and right. you never know where you're going to end up. And, right. a, and a breakdown in a fabulous place can right. open up a whole new world for right. you. Yeah, never be afraid of breakdowns. They happen. It's just part of part of RV life. Okay. Just make the most of it. And what and so what is your strategy then for breakdowns? Get them fixed. <laughs> I mean, do you have a specific like let's say you're in the middle of nowhere and you break down? Well, thankfully knock on wood, that has not happened. Uh, but you know, you just have to deal whatever comes deal with whatever comes your way. You have to just Take a deep breath, figure it out. I have um, roadside assistance mm-hmm. uh, plan, which everybody should have. Um, you know, you do the things you can to prepare. Um, one of the things that I've I was most concerned about was uh, tire blowouts, especially on the front end of a large bus, because it takes a great deal of strength to come out of that, which I don't know that I have. Uh, so I put on. Um, tire guards I don't know what the official name is but uh, to keep the tire straight in case I got a front end blowout so I just do the things I can to minimize the problem Mm -hmm. and then when the problem happens I just deal with it okay Mm -hmm. great so let's switch to hosting now yeah Uh, so you and I are both hosting I know the reasons I love hosting what are some of the reasons why you keep coming back to the Oregon State Parks to host every Mm -hmm. year well, one reason is because I've, I've hosted in a few states. Oregon um, has, I think, the most organized, most volunteer-friendly program, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's beautiful here. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's just gorgeous. And I love it here in the springtime. Oh, then all summer. Um, and I have had some wonderful experiences volunteering in the parks everywhere. I've made friends um, I've gotten to experience the area mm-hmm. where where I'm staying, which is lovely, um, and uh, it I've made friends, and I just like to come back and visit. Yeah, mm-hmm. meet great pe- great mm-hmm. people volunteering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's one of the perks of it, mm-hmm. I think for sure. All right, Beth. So, is there anything um, any advice for women who are hesitant to head out? Uh, especially solo women who are feeling like, gosh, I don't know if I could do this. What kind of advice would you give to them? Yeah. I think anyone who has a, a a wanderlust or a yearning to travel should just do it. Just do it. Mm -hmm. Do it for a month. Do it for a year. Do it for however long it feels comfortable for you. The more you do it, the more comfortable you become. There is no reason why women should not be out here as solos uh, RVing. It's a fabulous community. People are helpful, friendly, always willing to help out. Uh, You get the opportunity to experience things you'll never experience in your living room, no matter how many DVDs you watch. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just... An amazing lifestyle. It's empowering. It's adventuresome. It's just a great way to live. Yeah. 
I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. Even though I'm just starting out. Right. You, well, you're doing great. Yeah. Um, so is there anything that I didn't ask you that you maybe want to touch on? Um, you know, uh, when I left Savannah, Georgia, where I had lived for 15 years, um, and I was very active in my church. And when I left, my minister said, do you want to say anything to the congregation? I said, I do. And I said, uh, you can choose to live from love or you can choose to live from fear. They're kind of opposites from one another, actually. Um, if you find yourself saying, oh, I can't do that, that's fear. If you find yourself saying, oh, well, I, I might not be comfortable, that's perhaps fear. Live from love, get out on the road, be out there interacting with the world from a place of love, and it is magical, it's wonderful, and it's just a great place to be. Yeah. You know, actually one more thing I did want to ask you yeah. about, both of us are extroverts. Uh, you, you've told me that already, that you're an extrovert. So where do you find community on the road, and how do you make make community or stay connected to community that you already have? Oh, that's a great question. That is something that I do uh, have to manage. Um, the five months that I am in Arizona, I have a great community there that I've built. I'm in the same place every year. On the road, when I connect with uh, friends who are volunteers that works or meeting people like you, which are new to, mm -hmm. new to me, but um, we connect, mm -hmm. that's, that's terrific. I use uh, social media. Um, I have friends everywhere that I try to stay in touch with. So that helps. Do you plan your trips around seeing people in specific areas? Sometimes, yeah. On that big trip that I took a few years ago that I was telling you about earlier, I, I saw many friends on my route. In fact, I planned my route around visiting mm -hmm. them. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah. Great. That's how I like to travel as well. Yeah. All right. Anything else that I didn't get to that you want to bring up? I think I'm good. All right. I think I'm good. It's just, again, such an amazing way to live your life. It's so freeing. It's um, an adventure. It has risk. It has reward. It has beauty. I, I just hope many of your listeners will... Uh, continue to take advantage of that. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Beth. It's I really appreciate you being my guest here in your in your RV today. And uh, and yeah, that's all for today. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Kathy. Thank you. I would like to thank Beth for that interview. We definitely have become closer friends since uh, since that conversation took place. Uh, key takeaways from Beth today. If you have that voice telling you to go, listen to it. Hit the road. Two, things break down. Don't let it stress you out. It will happen. Three, RVing is great for people who are social and extroverts like me. Four, you will meet people who will be helpful, so take advantage of them. And five, my favorite, live from a place of love and not fear. Thanks for tuning in this week. We'll see you again next week with a new episode of Travels with Squeaky. Ooh.